is the Mindset Game Podcast and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian, online training and nutrition coach and owner of James Robert Fitness. Why not check out some of my free content by going over to my website, fitamputee.co.uk forward slash free dash resources. Each week on the Mindset Game Podcast, we bring you an inspirational athlete, message or expert talking about human optimization to teach you how to change the perception of your mindset and to become one percent better make sure to share this with your friends on your instagram story on twitter on facebook they can find this episode on apple Podcasts, spotify or anywhere that they listen to podcasts by searching for mindset game podcast the way to get better is 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 repetition repetition in anything you want to get smarter? Read more books. Study things. You know, you want to be a better ball player? Work on your game. Simple. You're not going to get better doing staying idle. Um, and you're not going to be a better person by by not doing anything. Do things. Do good things for people. That's how you get. That's how you get better every day. That you say one percent doesn't have to be. It could be small, inch by inch. Life is a cinch. Yard by yard. You know the rest. Without further ado, let's get into today's show. And on today's show, I've got Coach John Cofino. So welcome on to the show, John. Thank you, James. I appreciate you having me on. So for, the, for those people that don't know much about you or maybe have not seen you coach, be it obviously for my listeners in the UK or in the local area, would have known you as coaching the Cheshire Phoenix. Can you give a brief overview of kind of some of your accolades and kind of how you got to the coaching heights that you got to? Sure. You know, I, I played, um, you know, basketball all my life. And uh, when I went to, to school and in, in, in college, I went to a community college first, a, a two year school. And I played for this uh, legendary coach and he offered me a coaching job and I took it. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate to, uh, just happened to be in, in, in that guy's presence, uh, Ralph Arietta. Uh, this, this was a, a junior college that, that was in 10 national championships. And, um, you know, the guy's in five Hall of Fames. He's got over a thousand wins. So I, I learned from the best and uh, really, really gave me a, a hunger for, to coach. And uh, he, he predicted that I would, I would move up the ladder and, 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 and coach on the big screen and in the big arenas. And he was right. And, but, you know, I paid my dues. I, I was an assistant coach for many years and, and um, at the Division One and NCAA. And I went into the D League in, in the NBA and I became a head coach there. And the rest was head coaching um, um, jobs throughout the world, even in the United States at some, some minor leagues that were really, really competitive. But I'm all close to 30 years of coaching and um, I'm still learning. I still want to find the best opportunity, the best situation where I could build a winning culture and and you know, co- coaching has been my um, my passion. So uh, it's been a dream come true. So talk to me about your mindset, John, in terms of how you see it as you need to pay your dues. Yeah, I mean, I think every coach um, should learn how to be an assistant first, because you won't understand the plight of an assistant when you have them underneath you. And, and also it's a lot of responsibility to be head coach. You know, it's, it may be just six inches over on the bench and now you have, you're sitting in a big chair and um, to pay your dues, to learn all aspects of the game and all the responsibilities. I did everything from, from scouting to, to video, uh, 
you know, individual workouts, uh, practice planning, game game time, you, you name it. I, I did everything, and um, it helped me become a more rounded coach and, and appreciate where I came from. And sometimes guys get appointed head coach without without paying their dues, and that's tough because you, you go too high too fast, and it's, it's a big fall. So I know what it's like. You know, I know what it's like to be an assistant, and 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 um, it's been a it's been a long long road, but I, I wouldn't have traded any any of my my past jobs for, for for the world, especially here in in England, UK, I should say. And 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 you say that you've been fortunate to be able to travel the world. I read that article you did yesterday in the local paper. You talk of it of obviously the pitfalls of having to live out of a suitcase. What what is kind of the 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 pitfalls of having that kind of lifestyle? Because most people see basketball as kind of this glamorous lifestyle which mm-hmm. obviously is yeah. the NBA yeah I mean the NBA is the ultimate you know that's why everybody strives to go there and you know it's it's fame it's fortune it, it, it's it's an, a way of life that's uh, you know second to none but you know living li- living uh, abroad and coaching overseas um, it takes its toll you, you, you um you make friends and then sometimes you have to leave and, and you have to learn cultures and languages. And, and, um, I, I've, I've got bags all over the world in storage with friends. I have my warm winter clothes are in, in the Republic of Georgia. I have my swim trunks and all my other stuff in, in the, in the Republic of the Maldives. I got stuff in, in, in America. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's, I, I, it's, it's just getting, you know, that's why I want to go somewhere and settle um, settle down and, and just make a, make a life for myself and, and pretty finish, finish my coaching career whenever that happens. But I just want to stop bouncing around. I've seen the world. It's really great. And there's some great people out there. Um, some great countries, basketball is different everywhere. And, um, I've had my, I've had some good times. I've had some rough times, but it's, it's been, it's been a great ride. And, um, you know, just continuing adjusting is, is, you know, it can take a toll. But from your answer, John, isn't it very difficult to be able to settle in one place from a, not just basketball, but sports at a professional level period because of the, oh, the actual um, limitations or expectation of, of an organization. If you don't hit the heights, you're going to get fired. Yeah, I mean, of course, you have to win and you have to build that winning culture and you have to show them that you're in it for the long haul and you're committed to them and they're committed to you. But you're right. Uh, right. At this moment in sports, it's all about, you know, what have you done? Um, it's all about uh, results and, and trophies. Um, and me, my teams get better and better. And if I if I could sustain a um, um, a, a coaching situation where you know i have two three four years i think it, it, you know the, the results will be not just um instant but they'll, they'll also be down the road as well and that's what you have to build you have to build not just for the for the present but for the future you have to have the big picture in mind but you're right there is pressure to win and obviously you know i've won and then still have still relocated because sometimes financial um situations issues come come into that also um, that's what I just had at the Maldives. They they ran into financial difficulties, and so my contract was, you know, we had to just um, move on. 
I had four four more months to go, and they they told me that the government is bankrupt and all that. So we, you know, it's there's a lot of factors. Uh, it has to be perfect. It has to be a good marriage. Yeah, the people have to be behind you, and everybody has to be on the same page. And it's it's not easy, but that's that's what I'm striving for. But do you think, from your opinion now, John, that be it from a coaching perspective or an athlete perspective now? we don't exactly live in the moment because we're trying to strive for obviously those wins, those results. Do you ever think that we don't live for that experience and kind of appreciate it in the here and now, and then only truly appreciate it, be it when we've retired or taken a step back and look at pictures? Yeah. I mean, a lot of young players don't don't see that. You know, they 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 want to make money and they and that's all they care about. But you know, I've had players call me up, write me saying, you know, coach, those things you were telling me that I didn't want to listen to. Now I'm I'm dealing that with younger players myself, and I see what you were trying to teach me. So that's that's an ultimate compliment, you know. But sometimes the light doesn't go on until later on in life, and you're you're right. Um, but w- winning winning now, it, it unfortunately is is with most most uh, institutions but players players need to to have goals they need to have a plan with their career and i i always advise the young guys coming out of school to start small build your resume up pay your dues and and then find a place like i'm trying to that you could settle down five ten years and just you know create a life for yourself save some money for for after basketball because eventually the ball stops bouncing so you have to have a plan and 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 goals, and um, that's my advice to the younger players. And do you is, do you think that's why you're seeing more and more Division One players come into play in the BBL, obviously, as opposed to going to the, say higher heights of say Euroleague and and teams that are playing in Champions League basketball? Yeah, I think that um, in the UK basketball is can be two things. It could be a stepping stone for careers, you know, um, but it also can be a place where you could, you could have a career. I mean, Newcastle had, and, and Leicester have guys that played, you know, three, four, five, six years and uh, become citizens and everything. And, you know, that, so it's, it's, it's an interesting place here in the UK where you could, you, you could use it, build your resume and then move on to, a, you know, to, to the next level, or you could stay here and, and be comfortable and, and, and happy and, and, and um, you know, enjoy a career. And talk to me, John, of obviously your time coaching the Cheshire Phoenix. How were you able to assemble that kind of caliber team? Well, what did you actually have to do? Because obviously for people from the outside perspective, I say me included, you're thinking, well, how are you able to attract that type of player to a team what most people perceived as mediocre? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I, um, being a, a veteran coach and being uh, having coached at a high level in, in the NBA Development League, you make a lot of contacts. And you know, I have a database that you wouldn't believe of players that um, that I keep on file, um, and, and that are players that want to play for, for me, and that I want when I want to play for me. Also, it has to be. A, it's a two way street. You know, you got to want this player, and they got to want to play for you. Um, when I got these high-level players to come to, to, to Phoenix, you know, it's, it's, it's a salesmanship. They, you have, they, they, they're comfortable with me. They know me. They know I'm a player's coach. They know I'm going to push them. They know I'm going to be real with them. And, and, you know, 
it, it, it just, uh, it's something that uh, one thing I, I can say is that I have a lot of contacts and a lot of players and, um, and I'll tell them the truth. I'm not going to promise them anything, but I will, I will tell them that we're going to, we're going to be the hardest working team and, and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to um, prosper under my, under my tutelage. It's really, um, it's something that you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta be honest with them and, and they, they appreciate that. And it's it really, they don't, they don't really care how much you know. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's that they know how much you care. So it's kind of a, from listening to you, John, it's probably like a win-win situation as opposed to, uh, I think the mentality that most have in society is what can I get from you as opposed to what can I give? Well, obviously, you know, you bring in good players and then, and if you can coach them up and, and have them um, all play on the same page, you're, you're going to, you're going to uh, benefit too. You know, your success relies on these players. There's no question about it. I mean, coaching is overrated in my opinion. You have to have the players. Um, and in, it's, it's very difficult. And, and of course you have to have money. The more money you have, the higher level players you, you can get. And I was fortunate that there was a couple of players that, you know, Cheshire allowed me to spend a little more money for, and I, 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 I you know, it worked out. It worked out. We had some, we had some really entertaining players that were so good. Um, in Taylor King, Julius Hodge, Dustin Salisbury, Damon Watt, we, we had a, we had an all-star team. Um, and, and they played hard and David Alu. It was just an, an incredible um, um, array of players. And uh, I, but you, you, if you don't, you know, if a player doesn't know you and understand you and, and respect you, he's not going to play for you. So it's, it's, it's something that you gotta, you gotta sell to these guys. And, and I, and I was very, very fortunate because an old coach told me once, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's, right? So it's really true, really true. I mean, you have to have players to win. And 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 off air, we talked about obviously the old arena that the team played at, and you talked you talked of it as you described it to. I'm assuming the media or be it your your other coaching peers as to to say, well, the visiting team hates playing there. But you told to me, and I I wasn't surprised by it because I play in a similar venue. That obviously your players were of the same mentality as to they didn't quite like the floor didn't like the baskets but I think you probably instill will just get on with it it's it's we're going to use it to an advantage to a certain extent it's the same floor for everybody for everybody on the court that's true that's true but we play there more than most people right because we have the home game so they got a little familiar with that and they got used to it you know, eventually they stopped complaining. But when I heard the visiting teams complain, I knew that we had them. I knew that it was an it was an advantage that they were distracted by. And um, I had a similar situation. And when I coached in the D League, you know, we would um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque is um, like six thousand feet above sea level, so we would we train there, and, and we were all in good shape. When teams would come in. And we would pressure them and put presses on them and really, really um, dog them. They would be grabbing their shorts by halftime. And I, I remember one player coming up to me and he said, Coach, how do you guys play here? I go, well, we're used to it now. You know, I mean, it takes a couple of weeks. But, you know, the, 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 the altitude is really another major advantage. So t- teams that came in that weren't from high level, high altitude uh, areas like, you know, Utah was one, Denver was another. But the other teams, they, they were struggling. But 
you can't really with with a team like, uh, like a sport like basketball, you wouldn't be able to even prepare for that because you you got that quick turnaround of game. Whereas in other sports, yeah, you could plan in advance. Okay, we've got to play here, compete in this environment. Let's do something about it to get ourselves in top tip top condition to be able to perform at, at altitude. Yeah, I mean. Very good point, James. But I will tell you this: like with the Maldives national team that I was just coaching, we had were going to a tournament in Nepal, Kathmandu. Now that's way up there, right? Um, so we would probably leave a week or two, ten days and train there. You know, train somewhere with a high altitude. But that's the luxury you have, you know, with a national team and stuff like that. We you don't have, you know, in the D League, you really don't have that opportunity. Maybe you could come in a day or two early, but it depends on the scheduling and um, you know, I'll tell you, I was sick first two weeks when I, when I moved there, I was lightheaded. I didn't feel good. And they told me, keep drinking water, keep drinking water. And I was like, okay. And then it went away and I got used to it. My lungs were, you know, my blood and my lungs were, were adjusted. Well, it's, that's probably an extreme, isn't it? In terms of, uh, from a sporting sense that you want to have to deal with altitude, but talking about your days with the Phoenix, uh-huh. what way could you have done things better in terms of utilizing that arena to be, in essence, a fortress? Yeah. If you could do it again. Well, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't pack the place anymore. They were, they were turning people away outside on the street. I mean, it, it was really incredible, but the, um, the fan following, that's one of the, one of the most memorable things I'll always take away from, from coaching at, at the Cheshire Phoenix was, was the fans. They were, they were like, um, they were the six man, you know, uh, um, but you know, if we could have practiced more there, um, you know, because it's, it's, it's a big difference when you practice on one, one court and rims is a different bounce to it. And, um, but you know, it's, it was a financial thing. You just, we just couldn't get the court all the time. And, um, at, towards the end, we got some practice. We got some training sessions there, but not much else you could do. We packed the place. The place was loud. Um, that that semifinal game against London, when we came back and we 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 hit a three, but they they said we stepped out of bounds, which we didn't. Um, it was it was rocking. I mean, the place was what a way to end the the time at the Northgate. You know, I wish we would have ended it with a win and then gone down for the finals, but. It was uh, not much more you could do, James. The, 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 it was a great place to play, from, in my opinion. But I'm assuming you, you, you not envious, but you would like to be able to maybe have experienced, say, the heights of obviously the team that went on to win the the, the, um, the trophy, not trophy, but the uh, a trophy yeah. last, yeah. last season and kind of experience um, that the new arena that is obviously out at Cheshire Oaks. But yeah. I I think obviously I went up there a couple of weeks ago to watch a game against um, the new team in the league, London United. And I'm thinking, to a certain extent, it's lost a little bit of that atmosphere that it had at the Northgate. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a beautiful arena, um, but you know, you're off the. The, pretty much the stands are off the floor, you know, where in the Northgate, the fans were right on top of you and the acoustics were different. I remember when they were building that, that, that arena and, and, and um, um, it, I knew it was going to be a special place. And, you know, 
when you win, when you win, the fans will come, and it'll be it'll be a it'll be a home court advantage. They get to practice there, which is very good. Um, so I think it's a good situation. They got they got a nice thing going there, and and the fans are continuing to come, and and I'll be one of them tomorrow. Well, I hope well, I hope you enjoy the, I hope you enjoy the game, and they bring the W. Um, but in terms of how you see yourself going forward, and we talked about this off air. Do you think that season, be it at the Northgate and the team, how I put it in my words, kind of punched, kind of, well, not punched above their weight, but kind of underachieved, do you think that kind of irks on you a little bit? I I didn't achieve the mission that I set out, obviously, when I sat down at the beginning of the season with the board. Does that kind of give you that drive to, oh, I want to get over this hump and give back what I yeah. perceived that I was capable of achieving with that team. Yeah. One of the things that um, when I, I've never coached in the BBL before, right. When I got there. So I was learning on the job. I'm not making excuses. I made some mistakes. I made, I made some mistakes um, in coaching, recruiting, you know, a couple of things that I regret and I would take back. And of course, the most regrettable is not bringing silverware to the fans and to the club who does, who deserve it. I mean, they, they're, they have a history. They have a good history of winning um, with the Jets. And um, I, I really felt that my job was incomplete. You know, um, the record was good, but no one really cares unless you win trophies and championships. That's what it's all about. Um, so, yeah, I felt I felt disappointed. It, it wasn't a successful season. It, it, it was a good season for 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 the first year, um, but definitely incomplete, James. And I I would I would really feel like now that I know what it takes to put a, a winning program together, um, I know that uh, the next time around, if I get an opportunity wherever it is, I'm going to um, I'm, I'm going to put together a winning program. And do you think that allure to to the Phoenix is? probably very close to your heart because most of the teams in the league come from bigger cities. So that it's kind of like the, how would I put this? The Cinderella story of the, the, the ugly stepsister that it's perceived as, okay, you're coming from a smaller city. You're, you're not, you're not, how would I word this? Not enti- not entitled to, to winning, but, you don't deserve it like the rest of us because we've got that bigger following. We come yeah. from a bigger city, so we kind of come from that mentality of entitlement. Whereas you think, well, you you, you come from a smaller place, so you should be down here. Whereas we're we're with the likes of say Manchester, the Londons, and things like that. They they, they think that obviously because they're a bigger city, they're more entitled to winning things. Well, it's just like the NBA. You have the big market cities, New York, L.A., Chicago, you know, Miami. Um, but the thing I liked about, you know, the coaching in Cheshire and uh, Ellesmere Port in that area was it, was it was small, it was quaint, everybody knew you. I liked it. I liked that atmosphere. It's, 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 um, it's more of a family-type atmosphere. There's, there's not a lot going on in town, but so basketball was, was, was part of their, you know, their, their thing to do. And um, that's why on Sunday nights, 5.30, a lot of people flock to, to the North Gate and now they go to the, to the arena. But I, I like those. I mean, I could coach in a big city. I have. I coached in, in New York and, you know, um, but uh, 
and I've coached in front of 30, 40,000 fans. You know, it's been, it's, it, I've, 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 nothing phases me, but whatever it, whatever it takes, whatever place you, you, you're in, you have to adapt. And I like those small type um, situations. It's, it's, it doesn't bother me at all. And it, it actually gives you a more, more motivation, you know, as far as to beat those, those bigger uh, city teams. Do you think from, from your perception now, um, do you think it keeps it being in a small market or a small player environment uh, within basketball, does it keep the players more focused because there's no distractions, of, like you say, of New York, Los Angeles, Miami? Yeah. Do you think it keeps the player a little bit more focused and motivated in terms of, well, this is what I want to achieve for the, for the season? There's yeah. no real distraction other than that. To, okay, there's going to be times where you need the distraction from 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 practice and whatnot but do you think they keep them grounded and focused on the task at hand yeah another good question yeah if you're in a big city and there's a lot to do and there's clubs and pubs and all those places and you know guys need to unwind i don't hold them back from any of that stuff but the more the more of it um then you're less focused and you know the, 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 the at the end of the day the bottom line is you're here you know, this is a profession. Your, your job is to is to is to play professional basketball. You're, you're making, you're earning a living, and you and you want to win. And anything you do that affects that, you know, has to be cut out of your your your, your schedule. So, but there are things to do in small markets. But there's, like you said, there are less options and, and choices to to do them. Um, but I like to keep the team together and do some functions and 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 stuff like that. But um, you know, if you're in London or, or Manchester, it is quite quite a, a lot of options to to stay busy or to get distracted. And and do you, do you think, in terms of more so for the, the player coming from the United States, be it from the Division One, Division Two, and coming to a, in a sense, an unfamiliar environment, do you think they struggle to be able to adapt from what was the college scene? So now this is their job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, especially the Americans, uh, the, when they come over, uh, the rules are different and, um, there's less, um, they tolerate less, you know, when you're professional, you, you, despite tell, I tell, I tell all these Americans, the spotlights on you, you have to be that much better, that much focused because, they're investing money in you. They're bringing you over here. And the minute something goes wrong, they're going to look at you guys. So it is a lot of things that they have to – and some guys don't learn. Some guys learn the hard way. Uh, but it's, it's something you do have to adjust uh, wherever you go overseas uh, coming from, from the university. And it's, it's, um, it's very humbling. And, and like I said, if you're in it for the money in, in the beginning of your career, then you, you're, uh, you're in it for the wrong reasons. What you got to do is get your foot in the door. You have to establish yourself as a, as a good player, a winning, winning player, an, an entertaining player, all those things in one because the clubs want you to entertain the crowd so they'll come back. And winning also brings them back. And, and if you play well, they're going to keep you. So some guys get it, some guys don't. But it is an adjustment, yes. Do you think it's a little bit being adaptable to the environment and kind of taking things on board and being very much open-minded? Because obviously, some some of the and I'll be I'll be honest, some of the calls watching from the stand, you're thinking, I don't know what you're watching from a referee perspective. I don't, I have not seen seen this. That that probably was a learning curve for you as a coach. You're thinking, 
what are you watching? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the officiating, they try hard. I, I think it's, um, we need we need more officials. Um, I know a lot of FIBA guys. I know a lot of guys that are FIBA uh, supervisors that, that, that handle the officials. And, you know, it's it's a thankless job no matter what level you're at. I mean, people are always going to be unhappy. Um, they, they, they're, they're human. They make mistakes. Um I always tell my players, don't let that distract you. Don't don't let a play, a, a bad call, cost us the game. So let's let's be out in front enough where a bad call won't, won't affect us. So it's it's. I really try to to take the the officiating um, distraction away from the players because I could tell you some stories that that'll blow you away. I mean, I coached in China. And uh, we we had a team, and we were going to play this team when it was so it was like not even obvious we were going to beat them by thirty at least. And before the game, I had the translator come up to me and said, "Coach, please don't yell at the refs today." I go, "What are you talking about? Why don't you, you can't tell me how to act? You're a translator." And he goes, "Please, coach, please, whatever you do, don't just sit on the bench and just coach the team." I go, "Okay, but why are you telling me this?" And he said, "Coach." The home team, you know, they pay the refs, and they paid the refs extra money today. I said, what? He goes, yes, we're going to lose. I was like, are you kidding me? And sure enough, there were plays that would, that would be like the ball would go off for them, and they'd give them the ball. The guy would be go down for a layup, and we wouldn't be near him, and he'd call it N1. And my Americans were like, coach, aren't you going to fight for us? Why aren't you arguing? I said, I'll tell you after the game. And jokingly, jokingly, because I would never gamble on games, I said to the translator, next time you know about this situation, tell me ahead of time so I could bet at the game myself. We're going to lose. I want to make money. But, you know, because you had an incentive in your contract in China, they give you a little extra money for after each win, you know, maybe $500 on the road and 300 at home. So I was counting on that money. And then they tell me we're not going to win. And so it, it's, 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 it happens in certain countries. And Georgia, too, they, they had some scandal there uh, two years ago when I was there. And um, guys went to jail. So it's unfortunately these, there's a lot of corruption out there, but there's some. I, I don't see that here in the UK. They, these guys try hard, and they and they want to progress, um, you know. But uh, the game's on the court, and you know, like any sport, a referee that you don't notice is is somebody that's doing a good job, right? If but if they become part of the show, then then you have an issue, and and you have to adjust if they're calling it. Sh- you know, close or, or letting physicality get, you know, go, you got to adjust. The players have to adjust. The coaches have to adjust. That's the way they're going to call it. And then this moves nicely to my next question for you, John. In your opinion, what is a good way for people to change their perception of their mindset, be it in life or in sport, whichever way you want to go with the, the answering the question? Well, I think positiveness is one thing, you know, you have to, you have to be positive and you have to also see other people's perspectives, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Um, we don't do that. I don't do that. I, I don't put myself in the official shoes. I don't put myself in the player's shoes sometimes, but when I do, it gives me a, a, a better um, um, process of, of, of seeing the whole picture. You know, maybe this person had a bad day. Maybe they have some issues at home. You don't know these things. If they're a bad person, they're a bad person. There's nothing you're going to do about it. So what you got to do is you got to be even better than them. So 
you know, there's a coaching alliance in America called the Positive Coaching, you know, and they say to be, you have to have five positive comments before you have one negative. Um, it, it, it's hard because you're in the heat of the moment and, and you want to win and guys' testosterone levels are high and I'm passionate and I want to win. And, I, and I've learned since I've been here in the United Kingdom and I've gone on to other countries, I've learned to not coach every play. And, and to just let things, you know, let things happen and then and be, be under control, you know, to, be, to have everything in control. So that, that's the same thing in life. Stay positive. Things are going to be things are going to things are going to be thrown at you that, you know, you, you're going to you're going to be like, man, why me? Why is this happening to me? And, and in my opinion, it, it does hurt. And, and that's a challenge. The key is to be disciplined in your head. Be disciplined and say, all right, I'm going to take this challenge. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, at least I tried. But I'm not going to give up. You know, you know that expression, right? Winners never quit, and quitters never win. And that's that. That's in life too. And then my follow-on question for that for you, John, is how do people strive to become one percent better each day? Yeah, you should. You should strive to get better, even if you don't. If you if you do your best, because the other guy's try, trying to get better. And we always had an expression, you either get better or you get worse. You never stay the same. And I like to say that my players get better now, you know, throughout the season and my teams get better. Maybe we get off to slow starts. Maybe we don't, but we're going to get better every day. And that's just from hard work. It's with everything. You want to be a good shooter, shoot a lot of shots, work on your form every day. Me and Taylor King, Dustin Salisbury, we would go to the health club every morning and shoot 500 shots. That's why they're good because they put their work in. They put the time in. If you just sit sit around at home and, and you know, you're on the computer or the TV, whatever, you're not going to get better. The way to get better is, is, is repetition. Repetition in anything. You want to get smarter? Read more books. Study things. You know, you want to be a better ball player? Work on your game. Simple. You're not going to get better doing staying idle. Um, you're not going to be a better person. By, by not doing anything, do things, do good things for people. That's how you get, that's how you get better every day that you say 1% doesn't have to be, it could be small inch by inch. Life is a cinch yard by yard, you know, the rest. And my final question to you, John, before we wrap up the episode is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Keep your chin up. Keep working hard, and you know, um, good things happen to good people. And that's that's all I can tell you is, is um, you know, chase your dreams. Don't let anybody tell you, you know, you you can't do this or you can't do that. I mean, they, they the people t- told me I couldn't do it. My family didn't want me to coach. You know, I was a short a short little white player. I was skinny back then. Uh, I, I was the only white guy on the team, and people said I couldn't play. But I showed them all. And 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 you know what? The only person who should tell you something is you. You, you, you have to answer to yourself, nobody else. Don't worry about what other people think. Unfortunately, I need to practice what I preach too. So once again, John, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. James, it's been a pleasure. You're, you're, you're a professional, and I, I, I love your approach, and I'll, I'll be listening for further uh, broadcasts uh, down the road. It, it, I was telling somebody else the other day that these kinds of podcasts really keep me in the game. They keep me um, in, um, um, up to date with things that are going on here in the UK and, uh, you know, whether I'm 9,000 miles away or whatever, 
it's, it's always refreshing to that. I could turn something on and listen and see what's going on because you really, if you can't be there, um, you really can't judge. You, you, if you're not in practices and games and watching yourself, you can't judge. But some of these things really, you have good insight. And, you, and when, you, when, you, when you have these issues that you talk about, it really helps me understand what's going on here. I appreciate that, that, that compliment. No, my pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let John and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Coach John Cofino and at James O. Roberts 11 on Twitter and Facebook. And again, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk forward slash free dash resources. Make sure to check that out. The link will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category sports. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you again next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.